Do you struggle with anxiety? Do you have panic attacks? Do you have anxiety attacks? Does it hold you back from what you want to do in life? If so, this podcast is definitely for you. Today we have Tyler Charlebois. I might be messing up his last name, but he's going to tell us that in a second. Anyway, Tyler is an anxiety coach, so he literally teaches people. He specializes in teaching people how to conquer their anxiety, and he gets real results. And he has some techniques that I've never heard before. And some of them are out of left field, but they actually work. They actually get real results. So uh, this is a super interesting podcast. We talk about what anxiety is, the different causes of it, and most importantly, how to conquer it. So uh, if you guys want to check Tyler out on Instagram, his Instagram is tyler.charlebios. Let's get started with the Right Now Show. How do you pronounce your last name, by the way? Charlebois? Charlebois. Char Charlebois. Char Char La La Bois Bois Charlebois. There you go. <laughs> nice. I know it's it is I was literally typing in my last name into the like put your name in the chat thing and I was like, Yeah, this is gonna be a question. I did not know it was gonna be the first one. <laughs> that's funny. So you're you're an anxiety coach, like you help people conquer their anxiety, like that's what you specialize in. And uh, I mean it's a huge problem. Like, yeah, I don't know what the stats are, but I think probably most of the world suffers from anxiety. So my qu- first I, question for you is what exactly is anxiety? How do you define anxiety? I love that question. So I had someone for the first time about a month ago ask me if I could define that in one sentence. And that was awesome. <laughs> Oversimplified, what it really is, is fear. In today's day and age, I really believe that we've like put so many different labels and titles and letters and all these things behind it, but it's all just fear and different levels of fear. So whether it's an anxiety attack or PTSD or just nervousness, it's just varying levels of fear and our our brain and body are just trying to feel safer. That's all it really is when it comes down to it. Yeah. Now, have you suffered from anxiety in the past? I wouldn't say suffer, but have I experienced uh, a lot or something? Yeah, for sure. And the only reason I specify that is because I've kind of like what I've learned from Tony and other mentors is like suffering is almost like we feel powerless to change it. But having experienced it definitely quite a bit in my life for sure. Um, So is that kind of like what brought you down the journey to helping others is because like it it was a big thing in your life that you conquered and now you want to teach other people how to do that? That was 50% of it. And the other part of it was like, whenever I looked at any resources people had to conquer or relieve their anxiety, I just noticed that nothing seemed to work very long term. It was almost like they got incrementally better every once in a while, but nothing seemed to ever sustain it. And that's not a judgment. It's just what I noticed. Mm. Um, so part of it was, okay, I figured out how to kind of get through it myself. I want to show other people this because I hate seeing them go through that feeling. The other part of it was just, I wanted to see if I could bring another way to the marketplace, so to speak, or to people that works for lack of just simpler terms just like it just actually works so 50 percent the stuff i've been through 50 percent feeling like there wasn't enough quality resources yeah here's a good question does anxiety exist in the present moment or is it only in the past and the future Mm, it does not exist in the present moment Mm. can i define why 
yeah. from my perspective. Absolutely. Whether you're thinking about what's going to happen in five minutes or you're thinking about what's going to happen in five years or anywhere in between, anxiety comes from the uncertainty of what's going to happen or what's happened in the past and what that will mean for the future. Mm. But whether it's five minutes in the past or five minutes in the future, you're not here now. Cause if you're here now, this very moment with Zach day, this very moment mm. when finances might be shit relation, everything might be going on terrible around us. This conversation is beautiful. It's calm. There's nothing wrong yeah. here. Yeah. So that's a great question. I like that. That's, yeah, that's really that well put. Yeah. Now, uh, how about with like trauma from the past, like everything you've gone through, right? like a lot of times that weighs us back too. How about that perspective? So I'd say when we get stuck in what I would call like a trauma pattern, it's that we keep replaying these things in our mind. And so to add the previous answer to this one a little bit, it's like we keep replaying past events in our mind and like, there's a whole thing on why, but that's not the point of this que uh, of this answer. We're still so focused on the past and that's bringing up the feelings now. Yep. And so we're still not in this present moment, right? We, we have something that our boyfriend says, our girlfriend, our kid, we, something happens around us and we think, oh, that means the thing that happened way back in the past and we're not here anymore. Like we keep going back to the past. Yeah. So one thing I want to add to that is like PTSD, for example, people call it post-traumatic stress disorder. But what that really is, is post-traumatic stress response. We're still, we're not responding to the moment. We're responding to something that happened however many years or months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's still a, a time shift. You're remembering something mm -hmm. as opposed to being here. Absolutely. Now, are there different types of anxiety? Like there's some people that have panic attacks and like they literally think they're having a heart attack. And there's some people that just worry a lot. Like they just can't stop worrying, whether it's like at night, they just have like these thoughts that are just keeping them up. So is there is there different types of anxiety that people struggle with? And do you put those different types like under categories? So, man, you're a good question asker. You're a good interviewer. I love this. Um, so... The way I've defined it in my career at this point is that there's there's no different types of anxiety. It's all fear and or anxiety that we've um, attached to different things. So lately, what's come up with a lot of uh, prospective clients for me in the last like year, especially since COVID, is everyone seems to have this quote-unquote health anxiety. Some people have anxiety about getting into a relationship or take, taking the next stage in a relationship. Some people have it just around their business and, you know, fear of rejection. Like they all have it in different contexts. But if you look at what that actually is, it's a fear of that thing, of something happening. It's a fear of what this might mean. But we've learned to kind of put different labels on these things. So I heard the other day someone described I asked them, I was like, oh, so it sounds like you're describing that you have PTSD. And they're like, no, 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 no. I have, I have CPTSD and I'm not making fun. And I was like, well, what does that mean to you? And they said, well, complex PTSD is, uh, is um, anxiety around relationships. And I was like, well, what's PTSD in your perspective? They said, that's just general uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. So people are taking the fear and the anxiety and they're just associating it to certain things and calling it different things. Gotcha. But the way I like to describe it, pardon? No, I said gotcha. 
the way I like to describe it is again, whether it's just, you're a little nervous right now for, you know, to ask that girl out or to go on that interview call or to do this interview with you or whatever it might be, whether you're nervous to do something or you are like, like shaking and you can't even get that breath out because you feel so scared. It's all fear. It's just different levels of it. And we've learned to label it these various ways. Yeah. But I guess my question for you is why do some people respond differently? Like some people respond like, like my heart is stopping or like they're sweating and some people just respond just because they can't stop their thoughts. Like why do we have different responses for it? So I think we, our nervous system is trying to protect us in different ways. And the way that the symptom shows up for different people is all is, it can be different for each person. Um, one of the other things about that is for the most part, we all have the same symptoms, but when you overly obsess about one thing, you're going to notice a whole lot more of that. Mm. Right. And then the rest of the symptoms kind of disappear. But when we look at anxiety, we tend to all have similar responses. Like it's the racing thoughts, it's the sweating palms, it's the heart palpitations, right? That, that really racing heart, they can't seem to get a breath because there feels like a big weight is on their chest. Um, IBS in some cases, right? Bowel challenges. So we all have similar things, but we tend to be more afraid of what one symptom looks like or feels like than the other. Like for example, for me, sometimes if I get anxious, I'll have physical symptoms show up, but I'm so much less caring about that than something else. And so I don't obsess about this one. We tend to focus on the one that freaks us out the most Mm. as opposed to learning how to regulate quickly and focus on a solution. And then we can actually just move past those symptoms quickly, but it's like a cyclical pattern people get into. Yeah. Is a, like a foggy head. Is that another symptom? Like you almost like can't think correctly or like you almost think you can't like talk correctly. Is that another symptom? Yeah. In a lot of cases for sure. Cause when we yeah. get to the point where um, I apologize for the scientific terms here, no, um, when we get to the point where our heart is beating a um, hundred beats per minute, it's like in your ear in fitness. So you're probably familiar with this to some degree. Um, if it's out of fear, we can't think straight. Everything is clouded over. Mm. And so when people live in that state, they often say things like that. But um, the only way to really get through that is to ironically calm ourselves, calm our nervous system. So we can have one clear thought yeah. at a time. Right. Yeah. So I feel like in this day and age, anxiety is so prone because of all the things that we do in this generation, like scrolling on Instagram and social media and comparing ourselves to other people, um, endlessly watching Netflix and feeling like we don't have a sense of purpose. So how has, do you think the anxiety is more prone in, in today's world than ever before? I would say so for sure, man. I mean, like to your point on that, our world now looks so different than it did 10 even five years ago, but let's say 10, 20 years ago, like our world is moving at such an insane rate that our brain can't keep up with. Mm -hmm. And nowadays when we wake up and the first thing we do before our eyes are basically able to like, look is we look at our phone and immediately we start seeing what we don't have, what we don't look like, what's not in our life. And we just keep to your point a while ago, we keep looking at like what, like the future or what we don't currently have and we're not in this present moment. So we're responding with so much fear and anxiety and uncertainty, but yeah, this world is definitely a lot more anxiety induced and riddled with it than it's ever been before. And to that point, 
I was talking with a friend the other day about antidepressants too, and anxiety medication and depressants yeah. kind of same thing. I saw your face there. Um, <laughs> and without getting into the argument with him, cause we had different opposing sides. I just told him, I was like, look, like people felt feelings of depression in the past two. It's always been a thing, but I said in no other world, have we been in a place where medications and labels and stuff have been put on us and in a world where like it creates those feelings within us? Like we've kind of by accident engineered a world where we just feel like we're always at a loss. We're always missing something. We're always losing something. And so we're just creating those feelings, but medication can't like solve the problem that's going on within our thoughts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like medication, it, uh, it defines you as someone who has anxiety and what are you going to have after you have that after you identify with someone with anxiety and you're taking medication for it you're probably going to have more anxiety because that's in your belief system and your identity yeah now you believe it's who you are so it's like well this is who i am who am i going to be when i don't have it Mm. and like my girlfriend the other day was talking to a client and she realized that her client had this belief system of i am quote unquote i'm the woman who is losing weight so if I completely lose it and it's gone for good and I have the fit body that I want, who am I now? Mm. And she didn't realize like that had her set at a th- certain like temperature on the thermostat and she just couldn't get past it because that identity. So it's, it's unfortunate the amount of people who identify as an anxious person as opposed to I'm feeling anxious every once in a while or even I'm feeling anxious a lot. But they say I am an anxious person and it's such a like a chokehold. Yeah, yeah. I know Tony has a really interesting perspective on anxiety medications and stuff like that. Do you know what it is? Um, other than what I just said, I'm not sure if there's a, nif- a different perspective. I, that feel like, might be- I think you might have posted ju- about it like a couple of days ago or something like that. The, I think I thought that was your video. <laughs> There's a video of all the crew. Did you see the one with all the crew members? Uh, well, I went not like the video that I created, right? No, no. Which you can cut this out if you want, but you should send that to us. (laughs) (laughs) I want to, I want to. Um, so I don't know what the deal is with that because, um, they say it's Tony Robbins property once I sent it over to them. So like I would be kind of violate, and I definitely don't want to violate them and and cut ties. So, um, I'll send it to you. You just can't send it to anybody else. No, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, to your point of that though, because I've been through his trainings, like how to, you know, become a coach trainer. What I can yeah. say is his beliefs on it have always been, whether he's working on, with someone one-on-one, which is only saw in these trainings that, um, obviously anyone can get, but that I did get, or whether he's working in a crowd of 10,000 people, he always explains it as the medication is not designed to relieve the problem, like to make you feel better. It's designed to numb the nervous system. It's designed to numb us. And so we can measure anxiety or depression, for example, on a scale from zero to 10, 10 being worst. And let's say you're at a 10 out of 10 of either of these emotions and you take the medication, you'll likely come down to a seven, eight or nine. Yeah. But it's not going away because it's supposed to numb it. It like, it can't solve whatever the thoughts are that you're having. You're just going to have less intense of those thoughts. Right? right. Or if you're breathing and holding your body in that position to create the feelings, it's only going to numb the feelings. So it really can't solve the problem at all. So his big thing is learn to change your entire 
way of looking at life, your beliefs, your values, change what you're doing with your body and you'll actually get out of the feeling. But that's why we, uh, I think big pharma is selling them. It's like a, I think it was a 5 billion or something dollar industry a year or something. And they get fined. Like, I think it's like 5 million a year is what they're fined. But like when you have that big of a frigging gap, like that's Mm -hmm. like us paying $5 We keep going. That's crazy, man. That is nuts. <laughs> so let's get into, I mean, you're an expert in this. I know we, we've talked about the darkness of anxiety. How do you conquer it? I think it comes down to really looking at what you're afraid of in the eyes and facing it with the one thing that we all have in common, which is faith and courage. Now that's a simplification of obviously the step-by-step broken down how to blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. you've got to look at what you're most afraid of and be willing to jump into the uncertainty because the second your brain sees it for what it is, it gets stronger and you can handle the next problem and the next problem. So there are some situations, if it's like a phobia or a specific traumatic memory that if we're hanging on to so unconsciously, we can do a few like things that I won't get into unless you ask me later, we can do a few specific things to like calm your body down from that specific thing. Yeah. But like the anxiety that we experience day to day, like, that what we seem to experience in 2023, almost 2024 now, the time of this recording, um, the anxiety that we experience nowadays, like you just got to look at what you're afraid of in the eyes and just face your deepest fears. Just go full force. Your brain will adjust very quickly and won't be as afraid anymore. Mm. What if I don't know what I'm afraid of? I'm going to use a Tony quote here. You pick up a rock, you throw it in the air, wherever it lands, you start there. Because what I've noticed is one of the fastest ways we can figure out what we're afraid of is ask ourselves, well, what is it we really want that we don't currently have? Yeah. And then we're like, well, I want this. I want a relationship. Mm. That's what I don't currently have. Okay, well, go get one. No, I can't because that's the fear. <laughs> right? So yeah. Yeah. I would say asking yourself, like, and you might say, like, I don't know what I want. And it's possible. But most of us know what we want. We've just been like conditioned or taught that we can't have it or not good enough or something. No. What do you really want? Your fear will show up right there. Because we could all have what we want, but there's a fear holding us back. So that's where that anxiety and just pushing through it lies. Yeah. And now what are some of the most common fears that you run into with your clients? Say it again. What are some of the most common fears that you run into with your clients? You know, it's weird. One that's come up a lot lately, which I never would have thought is they're afraid of the fear itself. Hmm. They're yeah. That was my reaction too. When I first heard that, they say a lot that they're afraid of becoming afraid. Their words are, I'm anxious about being anxious. And I kind of laugh and I say, well, that's like saying I'm excited that I'm going to be excited. Well, no, I'm just excited right now. Hmm. Right. It's like, you're not, You don't need to be anxious about being anxious. Just if something comes up, deal with it. But but prior to that, the biggest things that I see people being most afraid of is um, financial well-being and their relationships. That's why I've used that example a couple of times. It seems to be because those are where like the biggest fears lie, right? That we might not be enough because relationship, boy, it's going to test you. So I find financial security in today's day and age, unless you're an entrepreneur, but even then we still have those fears. And then um, definitely relationship and feeling like, can I trust or will I get hurt again? But I will say people tend to mask it 
they don't usually like it takes a while of questioning to get to the real fear. Yeah. They yeah. usually just say, well, the problem is my anxiety, Tyler. Can you help me with that? And like, yes, anyone listening right now, we can solve your anxiety without exaggeration in 3.3 seconds. That's not the real problem. But if we, if we, if this fear of relationship or finances that really test our fears enough, that really tests our courage, if that's way too big for us to even want to look at right now, we'll make up this other problem over here because it's less scary. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the techniques that you, uh, well, let's first go into what is the process you take a client through? So they, they sign up for you in your program. Like, how do you conquer their anxiety from there? So what I do with them is when we first get on a call, the first thing I want to understand just from their perspective is I want to hear what they feel like has been causing everything, right? I just want to really understand and appreciate where they're coming from first and foremost. Um, but in terms of the second that's done, I like to go right into showing people two things and you're familiar with these. So I'm going to, I love that you're familiar with this. Yeah. I like to show people how fast, how fast they can change how they feel. And I do it without them knowing I'm doing it. And then I show them what I did. So let me give an example. Let's pretend Zach is my client right now. I would get him laughing. I would tell some dirty jokes. I would confuse the crap out of him. I'd piss him off. I would just do lots of hanging out like it's a normal conversation. And while you're feeling different, right? While you're feeling um, scared, while we're joking about a sex joke, while we're being talking about something gross and bizarre or exciting, while we're in a different feeling, I'll straight up just ask you, Zach, how are you feeling right now? And when they notice that they're feeling good, I show them like, you changed it in like three seconds. We didn't even start yet, quote unquote, right? I'll joke with them. We didn't even start yet. You're already fixing your problem. Go back to us so I can help you. Um, and then they laugh even harder, of course, right? So... Then I show them how they did that. And there's only three ways that they can change how they feel. You're familiar with this. Now, I will say there's a million ways to change these three things. I just change them directly with people because I, I like being very like cutthroat and just direct with this because I like results and I like them quickly for myself and other people. There's only three ways. You can change what you do with your body, which you're familiar with. You work out like crazy. I see you on your runs all the time. You know, you're posting these things. So you know how you, different and good you feel when you work out. Definitely. You can change what you're doing with your body from muscle tension, um, standing, movement, voice activation, breathing, you name it, posture. Mm -hmm. What you're focusing on slash thinking about because the brain doesn't know the difference between what you vividly think about in your head and what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is the language. Like, how are you talking? If I'm kind of, okay, Zach, you asked me a good question. Oh, okay. Ooh, okay. Okay. I got this. Ooh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, shit, shit. Okay. I got this. Or I'm just like, all right, let's see how this goes. Here's my answer. The right. way you talk creates feelings too. So I show people directly how to do it. One thing I've often done, unless they're a bit of a knucklehead, I'm not going to lie. I'll be straight up. Unless they're a bit of a knucklehead and they're not being very compliant, I'll just have them make themselves anxious. And on the count of three, I have them stand up and be exaggerated in laughter and excitement as they possibly can. And I have them go back and forth. And they usually get the sense of like, holy shit, I like, see what I'm doing now to create it. Once they've seen how they create it, I explore these six needs that you're familiar with. And I won't go into all of them right now. But when we can understand that we all have these six needs and we're doing, we will do anything we can to meet them. I show them, I help them uncover how they're meeting these needs, which is why they got into the habit of going to anxiety and how they can meet them better. 
gotcha. to put it in simple terms. So here's how you change how you feel that fast. And here's why you haven't been able to before. And then we move from there. That usually takes like 30 minutes. It's not a very long process. Dude, that's genius. So you actually have people act out a panic attack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's super common. Mm. And so, you do that because why? Uh, great question. I'm glad you actually asked that. So after after I do what I just explained with you there, mm-hmm. I like to give people directives or like, quote unquote, homework assignments to do when we're not on sessions between what we're doing. And one of the most common things I give out is acting out your anxiety in one of two ways. And I'll explain them in, in even quicker. I'll either have them just pretend all week to have this anxiety attack and it makes them feel ridiculous, which is on purpose. Cause if I feel ridiculous acting out anxiety, I'm just going to stop effing doing it. Voila. Yep. Or the other one that I give out commonly is let's say Zach here gets anxious regularly at a level seven or eight out of 10, which is pretty high, not dysfunctional high, but it's like, geez, I'm always feeling kind of gross high. I will have them push that anxiety up. Like the second that they feel anxious, what they're supposed to do is get anxious to like a 15, like get as anxious as you possibly can. Because what happens is if I am looking over the cliff at the sea and the rocks below me, like a thousand feet down or further, if I'm looking down and I'm like, Oh, this is freaky. And Zach comes up behind me and even just lightly pushes me closer to the cliff. What am I immediately going to do? freak out and then if i'm looking over the cliff getting right. too close and you just lightly push me further towards the cliff what am gonna i immediately f- going to do well you're going to back up and put tension immediately yeah and the harder i try to push you the more i'm going to try to like throw myself backwards right. yeah so this is just known as a paradoxical strategy some people call mm. it reverse psychology but it's a very real thing in the human nervous system mm. we're only doing something because it's meeting some of our needs if we push it further than we're comfortable with, we're going to push it the other direction. Yeah. And so I'll tell people, I'll be like, all right, Zach, every day for the next seven days until we chat again, I just want you to get anxious. Like you've never been anxious before. Mm. And usually they'll laugh at when I say that, which shows you right there, it's going to be fine. And when they do it after about two or three days, they text me before our next session and say, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm doing something wrong. I can't seem to get anxious. And I just laugh at them and I'm like, keep going. You got this. And by our next session, they're like, didn't really feel anxious at all this week. And I'm like, ta-da. Yeah. Right. Wow. So it's not quote unquote, my brilliance. It's I've learned one fact. And if anyone's listening to this, I would write this down and like, just notice it. Cause you can change yourself or anyone else by this one sentence. Anytime you change one detail in the context of a problem, the problem can't stay. So there's a, there's a lot to consume in that one sentence. I won't break it down right now, but details, for example, are just like the amount of time you're doing it for, how intense you're doing it, how many times you're doing it, when it happens, who it happens. There's so many details, right? If you change one of those details, the problem goes away. Wow. Mm. So I just pick one. I'm like, look, pick the time that you do it. Let's pick the intensity. And I just like have fun and it goes away so fast. That's crazy, man. Now, do you have some clients that it's like hard to get them there because like they're kind of like inside their shell and they're kind of like afraid to like express themselves in that way and freak out. Cause most of these people, they had ne- never been to like Tony Robbins before, which it's, it's totally. 
So do you have a lot, yeah. of, <laughs> so do you have a lot of people that are like, I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to do that. That's That might be too much for me. I do. I do. And that's why I think it's really good to have like different kind of avenues and approaches um, for people who are willing to quote unquote, do what it takes. And like, all right, coach, you tell me, I'll just do it. I'll trust that this is going to work. Right. I do things like that for people who are kind of in their shell. They're not so certain. I might take other directions. Like um, I might tell them to, you know, I said, I'll, I might say, have your husband or wife, for example, whoever typically supports you, I'll say, you know what, Zach, it's very important in this tone of voice It's very important that you stay like, keep this problem right now. It's serving you, which it actually is. So I'll say it's serving you. And not only do I want you to keep this right now, we'll work on it soon. I want you to make sure you go get your husband, your wife, your friend, like whoever supports you. I want you to have them support you for like 10 or 20 minutes while you're in that feeling. And I want you to do it still like seven times a day or not seven times a day, sorry, seven times this week. I want you to make sure that they're really supporting you and it still works as that paradox because I'm not telling them to exaggerate it now. Now I'm telling them, I want you to have this problem and I want your spouse to support you, which is unconsciously what they're doing it for. However, we tend to think that we're not in control of these things. So now if I tell you, "I, I know you're not in control, Zach, so I want you to go make sure you're getting all the comfort for it. Well, now you're doing it on purpose. You don't want to do it on purpose. You don't want to do it because someone else is telling you to. So some of this is all in the wording. Sometimes I'll be direct with someone like, go do this. Sometimes I'm indirect about it. I won't probably go into all this, but sometimes you have to do it metaphorically. There's so many different ways, but once people can see that they're doing these emotions, they're creating them whether they're noticing it like consciously or unconsciously, their brain will begin to let go of it. So you've got to be very strategic in how you're, you got to just know the person, right? Know, um, are they like you and I, which you, I, I feel like would probably be someone who I was like, Zach, go do this. And you're like, all right, I hired the coach. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay, you're smiling. Yeah. I figured. <laughs> um, but if they're timid, there's a bunch of different ways. And another way I sometimes ask is like politely with rapport, I'll say, you know, Zach, is there someone in you, and you can actually answer this because it'll be playful for the audience. Zach, is there someone in you that's just a playful little love bug? Do you have a part of you in there like that? For sure, definitely. Do you have a part of you, Zach, that is a determined MRFer who like will break through any problem that comes your way? I'd say so. Do you have a part of you that can be like super over the, uh, over the top excited like a little kid? Once in a while, yeah. Once in a while, okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have a part of you that is like this, this is where I'll go with the client. So you don't need to answer this unnecessarily, but I'll say something on purpose, bizarre like this. Is there a part of you that is a sexy, seductive, desiring, assertive beast inside you? And (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And whether or not they say it, these kind of ideas make us respond differently emotionally. Some people are like, "Mm, no. Some people are like, fuck yeah, I do. But either way, it gets them out of that anxious state. Right. And so it's learning how to tap into different parts of ourselves. Very interesting. This is all great stuff, man. Now I want to dig into um, what we put in our body, even like drugs like caffeine, alcohol, uh, maybe other drugs like marijuana, maybe psychedelics, and then like everything with our diet, like processed foods. 
how much does everything that we put in our body, how much does that play with if we have anxiety or not? Great question. So it contributes to it massively. What I tell people is your physiology has to converse. So the health of your body, um, the stimulants or lack of stimulants in your body, it's all going to contribute to your energy levels, your adrenal levels, everything to do with like how you're feeling in your sensations and your energy and all that, which is a big contributor to your emotional well-being. The caveat to that is you can be, I'm not suggesting any of this, but I want it like the real answer here. You could be hopped up on caffeine. You could be stoned out of your mind. You could be doing, say, eat, you could have eaten three Big Macs. Like you could do something for your body that's not going to be beneficial to your emotions. And your energy and like your sensations will definitely change for the negative. But one of the things I tell people is it's still all going to come down to two pieces, not just your body. It's also going to come down to what are you focusing on? Now, I think it was last year. I made a story on my Instagram on purpose to kind of prove this for lack of better um, words, because it wasn't like a, I'm better than people. It's just, I wanted to show them how real this could be. I was so sick. My body, like my physiology was not in a good place. Mm. I clearly had VIX, like that um, VIX, I'm sure you know what yeah, that is, right? It was yeah. in the States too. Okay. Mm -hmm. That vapor rub stuff, that VIX all over my face. I had like uh, boogers coming out. Like I was just <laughs> my such a bad shape. My shirt was off. I was like a humidifier beside me. And I'm on my story feeling like crap and I'm laughing my ass off. And the, the point that I was bringing to my audience was, even though my physiology is not in a good place, which we're all going to have moments like that in our life, if we can still focus on what's in our control and what we want yeah. and just like the enjoyment of the moment, we're going to be able to, to some degree, counteract what's happening in our body only because the mind is extremely powerful, right? Whatever your mind believes or is thinking about, your body will change to, like, to, to match that. So what I would say is when we're in a healthy place, right? If you can take care of your body to the best of your, of your ability, your emotions are going to be a lot more in your control. And then the caveat is just when you're in a position where you're just feeling sick, you're feeling under the weather physically, and like you're in the process of getting better, but you're feeling like crap. If you can take control of this piece, which is the second part, your focus, you can still feel as good as you possibly can. Right. Right. Yeah. For me, um, I know caffeine, like when I, like when I'm on it, it's okay. But when I drop off it, that's when I tend to have more anxiety. Is, do you relate to that? And do you have a lot of clients that, that have that as well? I think it, it's not a thing that's come up a lot for my specific clients, but it's definitely a common thing. Yeah. Um, and it works, by the way, the same as in other contexts, like uh, me, my girlfriend, and my two friends, we just finished up date with Destiny. And um, six days and nights. Have you attended a date with Destiny yet? I have not yet. No. Okay. <laughs> Dude, I know we were I talking know. at UPW about like <laughs> the excitement. Yeah. It, it exceeds expectations. We were just roller coaster of emotions up and down more than UPW even anyway. Right. Um, so to the point of like caffeine and coming down from it, six days and nights of energy at an all time high. And then you're crying your face off for the good, for the worst. And then you're in this like peak on friggin' stoppable sit like up and down, up and down with all these like high intense emotions for the good, like up and down. Mm -hmm. You're connecting with people. There's love. It's just emotions flooding your nervous system for six days and nights straight. And you're not on any sleep because Tony's a 
an asshole in that sense. You don't sleep. <laughs> and our first day with no event where we weren't waking up at um, 7, 8, 9, 10 a.m. and then having weird times a day and being at these emotional highs and we just dropped. We all, we none of us said depressed because we don't associate with that language, but we were all feeling just a little bit like, hmm, kind of down and just like, ah. Yeah. And we felt like this bit of not loneliness. I don't even know how to explain it, but it's the same thing as what you were talking about when you come down from caffeine. Yeah. That same like, oh, kind of feeling in the body. Mm-hmm. Anytime we come from a high to a normal state, which is really what you were saying you're coming down to, is just like that right. lower state, less, um, you know, a little bit of adrenal fatigue and all that. Same thing sure. as UPW and down. Yeah. You'll naturally have that low, that not so good of feelings. What I will say within that, that I've learned to do is obviously besides taking care of your body, water, blah, 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 all that good food and stuff, you really have to control what you're focusing on in that moment. Yeah. 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 What goes up must come down. Yeah. I mean, that's yes. like any drug too. like, say if you go out partying with alcohol, like next day, you're probably not going to be feeling so high. You're going to probably be hungover and your emotions 100%. aren't going to be that great. But, uh, yeah, it's like I totally depressing and all that. Yeah. 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 Um, now is anxiety, is it, uh, is it genetic at all? A hundred percent. No. Um, now I love that you asked that and I'm completely, by the way, open to other points of view. Cause I love learning about this. Mm-hmm. Everything that I have possibly learned, even when someone comes to me with like the opposite thing that I believe, I love researching the opposite of my beliefs on that. Cause I want to keep such an open mind. Yeah. What I have learned through studying all these things. And I say a hundred percent. No, keep in mind that whenever I say this, even experts can be wrong at what they're talking about. Right. It's not always like this is a hundred percent it in my experience, in my belief systems, it's a hundred percent. No. And it's because it tends to be, if we grow up with being anxious, as long as we can possibly remember, even from childhood, mm-hmm. there is usually reasons beyond genetics as in um our parents were super anxious so we learned to be like that and or our parents were always arguing and so our anxiety gave them something else to focus on and they stopped arguing so it protected them and yourself from their arguing there's needs that we're trying to meet within it all and to this point i will say i have not found one example in which someone could sustain their beliefs or their argument or evidence saying that it's genetic. Now I'm totally open to being wrong on this one because I'd be fascinated, but yeah. I haven't come across a moment where that's true yet. Have you heard of uh, Dr. Gary Brecka? Is this the person that you said you went to that event with? For? No, it, it's uh he does 10 X health. Um, he's really popular. He's been on Joe Rogan. He's been on a bunch of podcasts. Definitely check him out because he says there's something with, uh, methylation, basically like how your body converts over certain nutrients. And some people have disorders where they can't convert over certain nutrients. And sometimes that can lead to anxiety. And I think one of the ones is uh, folic acid, which is in a lot of like grains, like white rice and like pastas and white breads and stuff like that. So yeah. I don't know too much about it. I'm not going to say I'm an expert on it, but I just, that's just no what I've heard. But uh, yeah, definitely check him out. Dr. Gary Brecka. You'll have to text me that after. And yeah. like I said, even to the audience listening, I'm super open to these things. I know I say with certainty, like 100% no, or I know I say yeah. those things. It's just because of a certainty I've built up in myself. Sure. The only the only question I would ask, and not you, but like to the, even mm-hmm. the science of that, definitely. is this is what I tend to ask anyone who has opposing beliefs just to see what they say, um, is 
I always say, is it possible for people to be, say, consuming those foods or to have that genetic um, disposition or difference or any, like whatever they said, is it possible to have that and someone still be feeling good or have anxious sensations, but be calling it something different? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm totally open to that. Um, One of the things that I've learned about emotions versus sensations, though, is that we can decide to label it what we want. So to your point, um, someone could totally be feeling those same like jittery, like uncertain feelings and call it anxiety or call it something different. And so I'm not going to say that I have more experience than Gary Brecker, is it? Gary Brecker. Gary Brecker. Gary Brecker. Okay. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's totally, totally possible. Yeah, it's yeah. just from my experience. It's been no so sure. far. No, for sure. Now uh, I'm going to go into like some more like personal questions for you, but first uh, if someone's like on here, like, yo, like I, I have anxiety, I want to conquer this and I, I want, I want a coach to help me do that. How can people get in contact with you? If you go to my Instagram at tyler.charlebois, that's tyler.charleboys. That'll be the best place. I answer all my DMs and all those things. I'm very active there. Cool. Awesome. Check them out, guys. All right. So first question for you is what do you value most in life? This literally just changed based on Date with Destiny because we I rewired know. ourselves. But, <laughs> <laughs> but up until up until at least last week. And I can feel there's been an actual shift in my body, which is so strange. It's so fucking strange. My highest value in my life has been freedom for a long, long, long time, which I don't remember if we talked about this at UPW, but it had been benefiting me for a long time. And I realized some places that it isn't, or wasn't, I guess, benefiting me as much, but it was freedom. I wanted to be free of rules, free of everything, do what I want, when I want, how I want, as much as I wanted, and just make a difference. So freedom is definitely the straight answer to that. Mm. All right. Out of uh, faith, family, your health, and money, which one do you value the most? Health. Only because like every part of my being wanted to say family and mm-hmm. – um, Cause I feel at the end of the day, if you don't have that, what are you going to yeah. have? The only reason I put health above it isn't cause I want it to be. It's because it, I know that when I feel unhealthy, unwilling or unable to contribute and be as loving as I'd like to be hard to, hard to enjoy what you have in family. So if I can be healthy, I can enjoy everything I have. Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that. Um, but I like this that you is, put faith in there too. Those are very yeah, interesting. True. Yeah. Yeah. What what is uh what does your faith mean to you? Or what is your faith? From a religious standpoint or the definition in general? Uh like yeah, what does your faith mean to you? So wherever you want to go with that. I love that. So I've never personally had any kind of religion that I believe in and or stay true to or live. I'm extremely open and curious and what do you call it? Um, I love understanding people's perspective on faith from a religious standpoint. For yeah. me, giving you a roundabout answer just to hit all the pieces that might be in people's heads, the questions, I've looked at it like a religion is a set of beliefs and values that someone can live by. And if they feel like that's going to lead to health, happiness, love, etc., beautiful, keep it. 
Um, I've personally always seen it as like faith as I'm going to have faith that what I believe, what I value and what I do day to day is going to bring me to a higher level of existing, a higher level of feeling and thinking closer to my mission and people I love. Um, I've seen, I've always seen faith more as a focus and an emotional feeling as opposed to something specific in religion to believe in. Um, this is probably the deepest answer I've given on this. I love your questions. Um, but that's always been what it is for me. It's having faith that there's something more than us having some, having faith in something bigger than ourselves. I'm curious, what's your definition on that? What's your perspective on that? Uh, so I'm a Christian. So uh, I'm a big believer in Jesus Christ and that he died for our sins and he sacrificed everything for us. And uh, my faith, I mean, it means everything to me. It's my guiding force. So like I I look to God and I cast all my anxiety and depression on God and I have him help me with that. And I pray to God and I read the Bible and uh, I just try to be more like Jesus Christ because he's the ultimate example because he's God. He's he was sinless. He came here and he loved everyone. He sacrificed everything for us. So I try to be more like him and I just try to follow his model and I read the Bible and try to, you know, abide by that. So that's kind of where my faith is right now. And I'm actually pretty, pretty new to this. I mean, I've, I've always kind of like been a Christian, but I went through a process where when I was like in my early twenties, I really wasn't sure. And then uh, I would say about a year ago is when I really took it on. Um, just cause like, I, I just felt his love. I started surrounding myself with people that um, were Christians as well. And they just kind of guide mm-hmm. me in that direction. And it's, it's probably been one of the most powerful things I've ever done. Dude, I think that's beautiful. Can I add something to that? Absolutely. When I tell people how much like I'm open to these things, it's, it's to an insanely real extent. Um, my girlfriend, her mom is, I don't know if diehard would be the right word, but like religious about Catholicism. See what I did there? Yeah. Um, But what I've always found fascinating and the only reason that I haven't stuck to one, I love so much about what so many of these religions are about and what they say and believe in and value. I really do. Mm. The only reason I haven't stuck to one specifically is because I tend to find something in each of them that either contradicts or is a bit black and white and or if I do X, Y, Z thing, it's wrong. And I've yeah. always found that there's a piece in it that makes me go, huh? Like, can I, can I keep all of the beliefs and values and ways of living, say like the 90% and leave this 10% out that my, I guess, beliefs currently feel like don't make sense for me in this time of my life. And can I take on this piece over here that I feel like would work? Mm-hmm. And so for me, like, I love this conversation right yeah, now. I feel yeah. like it's always been, I believe in so many parts of what a lot of, a lot of religions talk about. And then other pizza parts, I'm like, I don't see how that makes sense. And no. so it's not a judgment. It's a no. wanting to learn and understand more. And I think as long as anybody, including myself, keeps the ability to adapt and be able to change as we feel appropriate, I think that's going to serve us a lot. But what are your thoughts on that? Have you found any pieces that you're like, I'm not sure about that piece. I'm curious. Definitely, dude. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's part I'm, First of all, I'm definitely not perfect. I do sin. Everybody sins. So we're all missing the mark in some way or another. Um, what I'll say is that there's different levels to it. And uh, okay. God's not going to give you a challenge or a, or a tribulation that you're not ready for. So like the part of it, like, oh, I want to accept this, but not this. That's okay, for sure. I mean, the rest of it, you can just pray about it and read the Bible about it, and you'll you'll figure it out later. 
So okay. that that would be that would be my answer to that. It's not black and white, but um, could you have like a particular example? I was actually just thinking of one as you said yeah. that. So, um, what I've asked some of the people in my life to give them um, a bit of what do you call it privacy is. Yeah. Cause this is, I'm actually curious. And if you could actually help me out with this on the podcast, it'd be a very interesting turn of events, but I'm so, so, I need to find an answer to this. Yeah. So, um, heaven and hell, do you believe in it? I do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful. So you'll be the person to ask for this. Um, I've always been curious to understand what is it that we do that allows us to be for lack of better terms, worthy to go into heaven? What is it that gets us into hell? And how do we balance those acts if sometimes we're sinning, sometimes we're repenting, sometimes we're not, sometimes we're doing good? How do we define what's good? And like, how do we, there's a lot of questions in this one bunch, but I think yeah. you, you know where I'm going with here. So how do we pick who goes where is kind of the, the base question that I've been so curious to understand from people's perspective. Yeah, so I can't totally answer this because God is the only one who can. Um, so God determines if you go to heaven or hell. Now, uh, according to the Bible, all you have to do is believe with all your heart, all of it, which is a hard thing to do. Like think about how much you love your girlfriend, even mm -hmm. more than that. You have to believe in all your heart in Jesus Christ that he died for us in all of our sins. And then you go to heaven. And obviously there's other things that you don't necessarily need to do, but you'll get closer to God. You'll be more connected with God. You'll build a relationship with God if you do those things. So, I mean, following the 10 commandments, not sinning, you know, loving your neighbor, just like yourself, even loving your enemy. These are things that will get you closer to God, but ultimately all you have to do is believe in Jesus Christ to get to heaven. I love that. And it brings up a question and it almost puts me in the interviewer spot. If you're cool with it, I'm cool with it. On my birthday, a couple of days ago, ironically, yeah. um, I was, I don't know why this pop question popped into my head, but I asked everyone in the car when it was not relevant to the conversation. Yeah. I asked, I said, I'm like, guys, I'm curious to know your metaphor for life, your belief on life as like a whole. Like if you were to answer life is blank and I want to tell you mine in quick and then mm. explain the question behind it. So for me, I've always said that, like, I believe that life is a game. Not meaning good or bad game. It just meant like, say if I uh, lose some money in my bank and I'm lower than I want to be, well, it's a game. Oh, no big deal. Let's just, let's just level up there. Let's go to the level three, level four. Anything that goes, that happens in my life, it's a place to like level up. It's, oh, I leveled down. I got to beat the next boss. Oh, got it. Yay. Fun. Exciting. And I believe that everything is borrowed. The game will come to an end eventually. Um, it's continuous. So I believe in it in that sense. And I'm curious what brought this question up is if we, if we believe that everyone is going to sin because it's kind of inevitable and we're doing our best we can all the time to get closer to God. And it's ultimately up to him whether or not we go into heaven or hell. And then like all those pieces mm -hmm. is the game for lack of better terms, using metaphorical language here is the game beatable. Is it winnable in the sense where can we do enough in the lifetime and repent enough to get there. It's kind of before I over explain the question, like, yeah. is the game winnable? 
I think it's winnable. I think it's a different game for each one of us. God okay. gives each one of us a different challenge. He puts us all in a different place because we're all we all encounter different experiences. We're all born in different places in the world. Some of us are born in poverty where we have parents that do drugs and maybe beat us when we're younger. Like that's going to be a different game than someone who is born in a rich home and has everything figured out. And they're maybe they're already born in a Christian home. It's a different game for all of us. Right. Um, but I do think this life is a test for the next one or to get to the next one rather. Right. So this life is a test to see if you can, or if you deserve to go into heaven and God gives us all free will to pick wherever we want to go with that. So that's, that would be my answer. Um, but was the I question, like that yeah, what, was the question yeah. like, what is life? Is that the question? Like, what is the, your metaphorical like, belief about it? Is life a, a you did answer it for the record. Okay. There's cool. just like a second question in there, but it was yeah. like, basically some people say life is a, for, <laughs> I'm just going to be direct about their language. Life's yeah. a bitch. So, which is not going to be a very <laughs> emotionally great yeah. uh, feeling every day, but some people say life's a dance. Life is a journey. And all mm. of these kind of metaphorical beliefs come with it. A lot of different challenges and experiences like for me life's a game literally means that there's not really a whole lot of pain there's some but it you know when the boss beats you and puts you back a couple levels it's like all right well let's just do it again let's get past the boss it's there's an excitement with everything mm. and there's some built-in belief systems so i'm curious like what's what's your metaphor for life life is what i only get one word you can you can finish it with a bit of a sentence yeah well, for I me, it's been, always just been a game. It's been yeah. natural. That came well, to if, me. I, if it was one word, I think I would say life is love. It was it was either between life is beautiful or life life is love. I think that's what life is all about is love. I love that. I love that. And that's when I went through date with destiny. Actually, what I changed my highest value to. Mm. I realize that's when you feel most alive. That's what life's all about. When you experience totally. that love and when you spread that love into other people, that yeah. that's serving other people. A hundred percent. And I realized even this week going through date with destiny that in changing my highest value to love, which is truthfully what my soul has always been about anyway. Like I love serving people. I love connecting with this man right here. Like yeah. I, I love doing that at the end of the day. And even if all the business successes and achievements, et cetera, at the end of the day, if you're in an empty household or if there's no one to connect with, like what, what was it all for? Yeah. So I agree with you so wholeheartedly and uh, I'm going to steal your metaphor for life. Cause even though mine has a lot of good in it, <laughs> yeah, not as good as life is love. Mm, yeah. I love that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love it. Um, one of the things that I have a question on, what do you, what do you think about pride? You think it's good or bad? I oh. think it's, I think it can just like everything. I think it can have negative and positive um, consequences or connotations to it. Mm -hmm. I think if we get, I think to me, I think the way that we get our pride has a lot to do with what I would think about it in general. Like pride in and of itself, I think is a need to some degree that we all have. Like we all have to feel proud and or important within ourselves. We have to feel that sense of, worthiness within ourselves i think the way we go about doing it is going to determine how our life turns out some people get pride through like tearing some people down right like proud like almost like a showing off or trying to present as more than they are in that moment 
and some people get their pride, uh, their pride through a sense of serving people. Right. So I think, I think my, I've always looked at pride as that third of the six needs, like for significance. And I've always thought of it as there's no good or bad in life. There's just results and consequences. And we better line up our behaviors with what it is we're ultimately after. Yeah. And so I think of pride as like, just how are you getting that feeling met? How are you, how are you going about doing that? Yeah. Is it, is it selfish pride where like it's all ego or is it pride in the sense that I'm serving others and that fills me up? I think pride would definitely be that. Cause yeah. it's like, we break that word significant down. If we, mm-hmm. if we get significance through the negative kind of ways, I would say that's more ego. If we get uh, significance in the positive, I would call that pride. So pride yeah. in and of itself, I would say is more of a, a good thing. Ego would be like the quote unquote darker side of that mm-hmm. in my perspective. Yeah. Question is when you get too much pride, is that a bad thing though? Cause then you, you think of yourself as this like almost higher being and you put yourself above others, you know? I think that you ask great questions, first of all. <laughs> no, I think I think you can have an extremely high amount of pride. I think the the question is how how much are you focusing on it and how much are you showing that that off? Like you could even be getting pride in so many amazing, beautiful ways, but how often are you talking about it? How often are you showing it? And how often are you like just making your focus that as opposed to continuing doing what you were doing to feel that sense of pride. Yeah. I think if we're being over the top about it, it turns almost into ego. So there's almost like a fine line there. Exactly. Yeah. It's a question that I've been wrestling with a lot because actually if we're talking about like in the Bible, like Mm -hmm. pride is actually the ultimate sin because the devil, he was actually angel in, in heaven and because yep. he had too much pride and he wanted to overrule God because of his pride, he got sent down to earth. So, but it's not like explained to the T like, like that is it's, it's okay to be proud of yourself and it's okay to be proud, like to have God be proud of you and the people around you to be proud of you, but you got to be careful with pride. That's what I've realized. So it's, it's a complicated thing that I've been trying to figure out a lot lately. I love that. I think yeah. the blanket statement is that life is in black and white. But yeah. what I what I can say for sure is I like the example of how have you ever seen by chance Tony do an intervention? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So this happens very often when he's in the crowd, and I feel like the way he handles it is a perfect. Excuse me, I didn't even tell you what he's handling. Let me get. I'll, I'm working backwards here for some reason. Yeah. So what I'm about to explain happens often, and I think this is a very good representation of how to handle pride in a good way, a healthy way. He's Tony fucking Robbins and he's in front of 10,000 or now he's doing zoom on top of that. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, 15, 20, 30,000 people doing an intervention, changing someone's life. And he will get to a moment where he does something really cool that the crowd just thinks is like, yeah, I agree with that. Or like, Oh my God, that was so cool or amazing. Mm -hmm. And the crowd will often show him the sense of like, yeah, Tony, like you're amazing. Yeah, go. And or even the participant who he's working with will be like, dude, you're good. Like you're a mate. Like they'll, they'll show something to do with, and he'll just say like, like, you know, he, he'll either bypass the fact that they said that and keep the center on really serving, mm-hmm. or he'll say something like, you know, like, thank you. And then just keep moving on as if like, this isn't about me, even though I appreciate it. It's about, it really is about serving this person and you guys. And I think the fact that he doesn't take 
a whole lot of time to be like, thank you guys. Yeah. You know, this is like, he doesn't focus on that. He's like, thank you. I appreciate it. And he keeps going with what really got him that pride in the first place. Right. I've always seen that as so admirable and it's ironic. If we look at it from the other side, not ironic, it syncs up perfectly with this as the audience. We think about it. If we're watching him do the intervention, we're like, Tony, that was amazing. You're awesome. Blah, blah, blah. If he switched and focused on himself and how awesome he is, we would immediately go, what are you doing? And we'd pull that back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's like a paradox there. And it's like the, the, the way I've always kind of seen it. And I know you're kind of going through the same, like thinking yeah. about it too, is I've almost noticed the more you focus on how proud of yourself you are, the less pride you end up with in the end, the more we focus on just doing what brings us the pride, the more we tend to have it. So it's like one of those things where if you don't look at it, it'll grow. And if you look at it, it'll run away. It's such an odd paradox in life I found. That's a great example, man. Yeah, you got me thinking there. That's great. I love it. Cool. And I, no, I, no, go ahead. I just want to yeah, add this in one last sentence. A lot of people try to get a lot of comfort, security, safety, and control in their life. And I found that's another one of those paradoxes. The more you try to get it, the less of it you feel. But if you stop yeah. focusing on it, you tend to have it. It's so Same strange. thing with money. Yeah, same thing with money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like if I focus on like how afraid I am of making money or how much I have, like if you're just so obsessed about that, you tend to not make as much. But yeah. if you're focused on just serving, just doing the Mm -hmm. thing that brings it to you you'll notice your bank account grows it's just it's so many things in life are like that for sure absolutely here's a i got one more question for you if you had to drop your job or drop drop your whole business like say it just vanished out of nowhere and you couldn't go back to it what would you do if i couldn't go back to it for uh, financial reasons or at all at all like you, you like literally it's just like it's almost like you just like forgot about it and it just wasn't there at all. It just vanished. Like you I, think just... <laughs> I think I'm gonna hit. I think I think I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you in left field with my answer. But <laughs> um, straight up, I would become an actor. Okay. So dang. The slight explanation between that or uh, for that is because yeah. my whole life, I'd want, my whole thing in life was how can I help people feel better, whether it's ending suffering for their whole life, which is what I'm attempting to do with the best of my ability with this work. But if I couldn't do that, the other part of it was, well, if I become an actor, I can enjoy myself, have fun, be playful, which is my, my real nature. I just, I love being a goofball and being fun and having like love and all that. But in doing that, my thought process growing up was if someone comes and watches an hour in the, uh, and if someone comes to watch a movie in the theater for a couple of hours and they just get to like take a load off and stop focusing on the stresses of life, I want to give them that gift. It has nothing to do with money. I'm like, I want to just have fun and give people a relief experience. So I would a hundred percent do that. Yeah. Do you, do you, have you like did like high school plays or anything like that? Or do you have zero experience? I did. I did quite a bit of dramatic arts in high school. And then when I, uh, when I was going for the training under Tony Robbins that I did, I was actually, it was in 2017 and I, I was split. I applied for that and I got accepted at the same time as I applied for Toronto film school as an actor and my audition was accepted. Okay, nice. So I like, I took both, but I realized if I was going to really excel at either acting or coaching, I was going to have to go all in because they were both such demanding arts Yeah. that I was like, all right, which one, 
I'm not going to lie at the time I made a logical decision, not like a passion decision. I'm like, okay, it's likely I'm going to be able to eat faster <laughs> if I do coaching because I can probably get clients faster. But if I do acting, it's likely that I'm going to be here for a while before I get a gig that's going to allow me to f- put food on the table in a very big way um, okay. and not be so stressed out. But that's, that was actually a very real thing that happened. I almost would have been beside who knows the greatest, wow. uh, who knows. <laughs> I never, I wouldn't, would have never known, but uh, yeah, that's man. What, yeah, I might've been left field. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, for sure. Sweet. Yeah, bro. It's, want, been, it's been great. Yeah. What, what, what do you got? No, no. Uh, I, I appreciate you doing this with me. Like this has Definitely. been a fun conversation and something I mm-hmm. want to know about you on that sense too. Sure. Because I have this belief that whatever we're currently doing for work, as long as we're passionate about it, not like if we're just doing it for money, if we're mm-hmm. passionate about what we're doing for work, it's not usually the thing we're doing, yeah. like the the action of it that gives us that feeling. It's the purpose behind it. Like for me, there's about three or four things I wanted to do. Acting, coaching were the big things. But if yeah. you can hear behind it, it was for the same reason. I wanted to help give people a yeah. sense of relief, right? Mm-hmm. What's the what's that for you? Was there yeah. a commonality between or common denominator between things you wanted to do for for a mission or a career that like had a common thread? Yeah, I mean, it's always been serving and impacting people and just using the gifts that God gave me through the best of my ability to to serve other people. That's that's what it's always been about. And I think that's what every business should be about. That's what it's that's what it's all about, man, for sure. Did you always know it was going to be photography and what you do or were there a few options on the table? Uh, that you do? My journey, well, I started with American Ninja Warrior. Like I was on that show for a couple of years and right. then I, I coached people in that and then uh, – me and another coach, we teamed up and we created a business where we went and built American Ninja Warrior courses at people's houses. So like in their backyard or their basement or summer camps or the ninja gyms. So I did that for a couple of years. And then I started an online platform teaching people how to do American Ninja Warrior, like the mindset behind it, um, how to do all the obstacles, how to build your grip strength, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, the business partner that I have now with the videography um, ran into him. I just started doing some random work for him. And then I started building other videos and I started creating people's stories and bring people's stories to life. And, uh, then we teamed up and with this business that, that I'm in now. So that's, that's kind of like the journey behind it. But yeah, I mean, the purpose has always been just use my skills, wherever God wants to take me, wherever he guides me, like that's what I'll do. So if he wants me to do something else tomorrow, I'm down with it. I love that. I love that. I get the sense with all of your belief systems and the way that you think, like since the first time I met you, not even just Mm. crewing this time, I got the sense or I get the sense within you that you're a, your beliefs and your values, the way you live your life and see the Mm. world seem like they give you a lot of sense of calm and a lot of sense of enjoying what comes your way. You don't strike me as someone who is super stressed out and anxious about life just based on how you look at life it seems like it gives you a sense of calm i appreciate that yeah i mean i wouldn't say all the time but i would say yeah a good amount of the time for sure i appreciate right. that like bro. yeah dude of course of course is one of the reasons i was drawn to you at first i'm like this yeah. guy has something to give me which is for me i've always got to be like bigger more bigger more bigger more excitement like my energy is yeah. always up here which is great but yeah you had this like calmness about you and this it's not just calm i can't put my 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 finger on it but like something about you that seems just so genuine and caring and down to earth and i really admire that about you man that's great you're gonna make me cry (laughs) (laughs) good (laughs) 
but uh, no, I appreciate this a lot, man. It's super yeah. cool going deep and having these conversations with you. Yeah, dude, that's what this podcast is all about. Like, I just try to get on and just have the deepest conversation that I can possibly have because that's what people want to hear. They don't want to hear like the the typical "Welcome to the podcast," and you know, and then we just kind of like hit on surface level stuff. I want to go as deep as possible and be unfiltered and hit all the good stuff. I think that's why you and I get along, and yeah. uh, I think it's. I think we should have you on my podcast at some point because oh, you have a podcast. I do. Um, it's got a bit of a different vibe to it, <laughs> sure, but. Yeah. But it's called Life Unfiltered for that purpose. Oh, sick. Yeah, I love it. So I, love it. I like even if uh, and I haven't taken too many guests on yet, but the whole point of it for me is um, I want people even with opposing views as me because it keep, keeps things interesting. Mm-hmm. I love it when we talk about like, well, the unfiltered truth, like what's what's really real about life. And I, I don't like surface. I'm a fan of like whether it's um, whether it's like uh sex politics money and i can't remember the fourth one that's taboo in our culture i'm always trying to blank on one of them anyway there's whatever the topics might be it's like what's real it's life let's talk about it let's go deep in finding out what's really real about it so yeah i love that and i think that's why we get along so well we're not surface people (laughs) yeah 100 like this doesn't even feel like a podcast you know no it's already just having a conversation yeah exactly yeah i love it sick cool all right. Uh, anything else you want to say before we sign off? I want to tell people, I think you need to really more than just trying to always achieve things. You've got to be after a sense of fulfillment. Mm-hmm. That's been a huge thing lately, just because people are just always looking for the next thing. Just find a sense of fulfillment in your life, whatever that might mean. I think that's my biggest message right now. I love it, man. Yeah, purpose is all about doing something that's bigger than yourself, going after something that's bigger than yourself. So whether that's the people around you or a higher power, God, just always think bigger than yourself. Yeah, and the fear and anxiety and the stress can only be here when we're so obsessed with what's not happening in our life or what is. Mm. If we get outside of our ourselves, that all goes away. Exactly. Sweet, bro. I appreciate you taking the time. It's been awesome. We had a great conversation. Until next time.